Jim Harbaugh, NFL Week 8 recap, the Green Bay Packers, and some last words. The Valley Sports Talk begins right now. Hey, what's good, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the LaValle Sports Talk Podcast brought to you by the Soundline Network. As always, I am your host, Chris LaValle. I hope you all are doing well and staying safe. I want to kick off this podcast this week. We're going to talk Jim Harbaugh as a head coach at the University of Michigan. Look, I'm a huge Jim Harbaugh fan. I've talked about him before on this podcast, and I love the hire initially in Michigan. I thought it was a home run. I thought Jim was going to come in. And Michigan was going to be a national title contender almost immediately. Well, that hasn't happened. He's been there for a long time. And it's just, there's no other way to say it except for the fact that he's underperformed as Michigan's head coach. Jim's supposed to be a quarterback guy. He's supposed to be an offensive-minded dude. He hasn't yet to recruit a strong quarterback since he's been there. They, like I can't, I, I couldn't even name you one quarterback that he has successfully recruited that's even been in the Heisman conversation. I mean, that's Jim's thing. When Jim was in the NFL, he's the one who mentored um, Alex Smith, and then he's the one who decided to start Colin Kaepernick, and he made the right call at the time to start Kaepernick, and we all saw that. Kaepernick ended up taking the 49ers to the Super Bowl. So, like, Harbaugh understands the quarterback position. He understands talent. I don't I don't understand why that never materialized into anything at Michigan. But it just hasn't. He's never beaten Ohio State, which is Michigan's biggest rival. And that, that, that alone is a problem. He's owing everything against Ohio State, which is inexcusable. You can't. You just can't do that. And there's plenty of NFL teams that I think would be lucky to have him. And I, and I do believe that that this is going to be the last year for Jim at Michigan. As an NFL head coach, his numbers are astounding. He's 49-22-1, and that includes the postseason. 49-22-1. That's an incredible record in the NFL. So I, I, in my opinion, I think, look, Jim's failed in, in Michigan. There's no question about it at this point. The loss this past weekend to Michigan State was inexcusable. Michigan... The what sucks is Michigan always comes in or has been coming in every single college football season since Jim's become the head coach as a favorite, as a Big Ten favorite. Really, their only two rivals would be either Wisconsin, and Wisconsin usually falls apart at some point during during the season. They'll lose one or two games, but their real rival was Ohio State. But it's not much of a rivalry if Ohio State's kicking you, kicking your ass up and down the field every single year, which is what was happening to Michigan. There was one year in Harbaugh's either first or second year at Michigan where the game was close. I think it came down to a field goal, or there was like a there was a um, I remember if it was a, a fumbled kickoff or a fumbled punt return or something, and that ended up costing Michigan the game. That game was close. All the other ones really haven't been that close. So, just to uh, to wrap this up here, I think Jim is done at Michigan at the end of the season. I believe that he's going to go back to the NFL, and there are plenty of NFL teams that could use a Jim Harbaugh. And the other thing with Jim, too, real quick, is he's kind of like Bill Parcells, meaning that he's only good in an organization or even clearly at a college for a short period of time because he, like his coaching style, the way that he acts and everything else, 
he's small doses. So I, but I do think that Jim would be excellent. Um, like in New York for the Jets, perhaps they, they desperately need a new head coach. Or even if he went to Atlanta, he could work with Matt Ryan, an established quarterback who desperately needs a coach. Or hell, even Detroit. Put him in Detroit with Matt Stafford. I'm just saying, there are plenty of options for Jim in the NFL. And ultimately, I think that that's where he belongs. He belongs in the NFL. Clearly, college football is just not for him. All right, let's get right into NFL Corner. Every week, NFL Corner is a two-part segment. First part, I will discuss what happened in the previous week of the NFL season. And then part two, I will give you my my four games to watch, including my game of the week and my predictions for those games. So let's kick it off. The Steelers continue to roll. Pittsburgh beat Baltimore 28-24. Pittsburgh remains undefeated. They're 7-0. They're easily the best team in the league. I don't even think there's a question about that. So I want to get off Pittsburgh now. Let's talk Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson doesn't look good this season. Lamar Jackson is a front runner. I don't know however, how else to put it. And the Ravens have a real problem right now at quarterback. Jackson has been figured out and or he's regressed. I think it's a little bit of both. Jackson, in this game against Pittsburgh, completed 46.4% of his passes, 208 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. The dude can't throw the football, and everybody knows it now. Last year was a fluke. I'm sorry. I, I, I had to take the L last year because I kept saying he doesn't deserve to be the MVP. This is insane. Russell Wilson should be the MVP. And then everyone was telling me I was dead wrong. So, yeah, you know what? Last year, fine, I was wrong. Lamar Jackson w- played well last year. But I told you in the offseason, he needs to prove it again this year. I didn't say he had to win the MVP again, but I said he needs to be consistent throwing the football again this year. His numbers, he's, he's barely completing 60% of his passes on the season. That's Tim Tebow area. That's Tim Tebow area. I'm sorry it is. Look, Lamar Jackson is arguably the best scrambler in the league. Like, when he runs, it's electric. It's great to watch. It's, it's just as exciting as Michael Vick. But he can't throw the damn football. He's not a quarterback. He's a glorified running back. When you're only completing 46.4% of your passes in a big game against Pittsburgh, that's a problem. And let's be real about it. Lamar Jackson plays really well when he's ahead. He can beat up on really crappy teams. But think back to the last three big games that he's had. The Titans game in the playoffs last year, the Kansas City Chiefs earlier this season, and now the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's lost all three of those games, and he has looked terrible in all three of those games. I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson can't turn this around, but this is not a good look. So everyone who's been out there who's been praising Lamar Jackson and talking about how he's one of the, the, the elite quarterbacks or the new, like the new wave of young quarterbacks in the league, that he's part of that elite makeup, no, he's not. He's not. He is a Tier 3 quarterback at best. End of Tier 2, top of Tier 3 at best. And that's being generous in my opinion. He's not, in, for my money, he's not a top 15 quarterback. If you can't throw the football accurately, you're not a top 15 quarterback. You're a gimmick. You're somebody who can run and occasionally throw the ball. You're Taysom Hill. You're a, glor- you're a starting quarterback, but you play like Taysom Hill from New Orleans. You're somebody who can go in the wildcat, you can scramble, and you can occasionally make throws. So, you know, you can say whatever you want, but 
anybody out there who, who's still trying to, to say that Lamar Jackson's an elite quarterback in this league is, is fooling themselves. The Cleveland Browns are frauds. The Browns are frauds. Once again, the Browns got embarrassed by a team with a winning record. They lost to the Las Vegas Raiders 16-6. to They only scored six points. Six points. Baker Mayfield threw for only 122 yards. I'm, t- I'm tired of people talking about the Browns. We've got Richo, who is the Browns cheerleader on the network, and that's fine. He can continue to wave his pom-poms for them all he wants, but the Browns are fraudulent. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm tired of people talking about the Browns. They're the same old Browns. Same old Browns. You come into the season, you think they're going to do well. You have, there's all this momentum behind them. They start off five and one. Now they're five and three. And they can't beat a winning team. Congratulations, you guys beat up on the, on the Cincinnati Bengals. But you have now gotten embarrassed by the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Las Vegas Raiders. I take that back. They got embarrassed by the Raiders. They got slaughtered by the Steelers and the Ravens. They can't beat winning football teams. They can't. And it's pathetic. So I'm tired of hearing about the Browns. If you're a Browns fan or you're somebody who's buying into the hype, good for you. But you're wasting your time. The Browns are going nowhere fast. The Miami Dolphins might actually be good. They may actually be good. And perhaps they're going to be a playoff team. The Dolphins stunned the Los Angeles Rams 28-17. to Miami, that's right. The Miami Dolphins started Tua Tungavailoa in his first game against the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams have one of the best defenses in the league. At this point, can you take the Rams seriously? I understand they're in, they're in the NFC West, which is the best division in football, but can you really take the Rams seriously? They've now lost games to the Buffalo Bills, which... The Bills are a playoff team. I'll give you that. But they lost to the injured 49ers and now the Miami Dolphins. Like the 49ers are playing with the, the, the 49ers are the new Philadelphia Eagles. Like they're, they've got nobody on that roster at this point. They're pulling people off the practice squad. And they just lost to the Miami Dolphins. They've beaten the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, the Washington football team, and the Chicago Bears. The Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, and the Washington football team are all teams, yes, that they should beat, but they're also teams that are sub-500. And the Chicago Bears, in my opinion, they should beat too because I don't buy the Bears as a playoff team. So really, who have the Rams beaten? They, they haven't beaten anybody good yet, and they're losing to, again, the Bills, which is a good team. But outside of that, the 49ers nor the Dolphins are definitely going to make the playoffs. They could be. They're on the fringe. But that's just not a good look. So I'm not look, I'm not buying into the Rams right now. I, I think they're inconsistent as hell. They may make the playoffs, but they're not going anywhere. Miami is, is really starting to impress. And, and that's really the whole point of this. I got off on a tangent with the Rams here. Miami is really starting to impress. They're now 2-0 against the NFC West. 2-0 against the best division in football. That's, that's saying something. And this is a huge momentum builder for this young team. Beating the Rams with Tua starting is huge. Now, I was against Tua starting. I still think that they should have stuck with Ryan Fitzpatrick. But Tua looked good. He looked solid in his debut. He looked healthy, which is the most important thing. And I know it sounds hyperbolic, but if they can beat Arizona next weekend or this coming weekend, Miami will be a solid playoff contender. They could get, they're they're going to be a wild card contender. 
they're going to be right in that mix. They won't catch the Bills, or at least I don't think they'll catch the Bills. I mean, we already know the Patriots and the Jets are out of it. So really, Miami's sitting pretty in that two spot. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but they have the opportunity. And lastly, as much as it pains me to say this, Jimmy Garoppolo is not the answer in San Francisco. The 49ers got housed by the Seattle Seahawks 37-27. That score, that game was not even close. So that score actually sounds like it was a lot closer than the game really was. Like if you watch the game, it was pathetic. Like the Seahawks just ran up and down the field against them. Russell Wilson was sensationally through 261 yards and four touchdowns. Still the MVP. Jimmy G not only looked horrible, but is once again injured. Jimmy's not the answer for the 49ers. I was wrong. I picked Jimmy G. Jimmy G was my favorite young quarterback. I was buying into Jimmy G. I was all about him. I was like, you know what? The dude was behind Brady for all those years. He's going to go. He's, he's got Kyle Shanahan as his head coach. The 49ers just got themselves a great quarterback. And last year, he played well. He got him to a Super Bowl. He had the potential to win that Super Bowl. He blew it. Kyle Shanahan also blew it with the play calling. But Jimmy Garoppolo blew that Super Bowl. He had he had a he had a, a wide open and I don't remember who it was might have been Anquan Bolden but I'm not 100 percent sure who the wide receiver was that he overthrew had he made that throw 49ers would have won the game 49ers would have won the Super Bowl but he overthrew him all the momentum went back to Kansas City and that's all she wrote for as well for as well as he did play last year he's been just as awful this year. In this game, this past week, in three quarters of play prior to getting injured, he passed for 86 yards and in an interception. 86 yards. That's pathetic. On the season, he's completing 68.8% of his passes for 1,096 yards, seven touchdowns, and five interceptions. Yeah, his passing yards are down. He's missed, you know, I'll give him, I'll give him the fact that he's injured. He missed a few games. But seven touchdowns and five picks. The dude's averaging like two yards a pass right now. All he does is throw under routes. He's not actually airing out the ball. He's dinking and dunking. And he's not even doing a good job of dinking and dunking. It's one thing if you want to be a game manager. And Jimmy G is 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 in the mold of a game manager. That's what, At least that's what he was last season. So he was kind of like the the new the new age Alex Smith is kind of what I was looking at with him. But he's not even good at doing that. And I think the 49ers may need to consider making a trade moving forward, looking to get rid of Jimmy G. It's it's not a good look. It's not a good look for Garoppolo when his backup comes in and sparks something out of that offense. In one quarter of play, one quarter, Nick Mullins came in, 18 of 25, 238 yards, two touchdowns. That's in one quarter. Again, in three quarters of play, Jimmy G, 86 yards and a pick. His backup comes in, completes for, he completes 18 passes for 238 yards and two touchdowns. Not a good look. Not a good look at all. So I really think San Francisco has a lot of, a lot of things to consider uh, moving forward. I believe they have, I think they, they take a, a cap hit with Jimmy G one more year. Honestly, I would take that hit and trade him. I don't know if you want to trade him for draft picks. I don't know if you want to trade him 
for another quarterback. I mean, Mullins is, they just drafted Mullins. So Mullins is young. If they like Mullins, they could keep Mullins. I'm not saying Mullins is the answer. But San Francisco has a lot to consider moving forward because that team is too damn talented. Too damn talented. Too damn talented, excuse me, to be that inept on offense. All right, so let's uh, let's take a look at part two. So last week I was two and two with my week eight picks, and I am sitting on the 500 line still. I'm 13, 13, and one overall. So I've got four games for you. Let's kick it off with the Seahawks and the Bills. The Bills finally beat the rival Patriots last week, last week, which was a big win for them. I know the Patriots are injured. Cam Newton played like booty booty butthole, and the Patriots defense just isn't that great right now. Um, Bills got a lot of problems. Uh, but look, the offense showed up, and it's a bi- it's a big game because the Bills were o in everything against the Patriots for as long as Tom Brady had been the starting quarterback. So I understand it's a new quarterback, but they still kind of got that monkey off their back there, which was huge. The Seahawks, look, they've been Super Bowl contenders all season. Russell Wilson is the runaway MVP. I don't even it's not even close right now. I just don't trust the Bills' offense. They've been too inconsistent. Josh Allen has really plummeted back down to earth, which is kind of a bummer because I like Josh Allen. And the first few weeks of the season, he was an MVP candidate. He looked tremendous. And ever since they played Tennessee, he's kind of started falling back down to earth. Was it Kansas City or Tennessee? Whichever one they played first. That, That initial game against one of those two teams, he really started falling back to earth. So... I just think I think the Seahawks are the better the better team. The Bills defense is not what they were supposed to be this year. So I'm not really concerned about if the Seahawks will be able to put up points against the Bills defense. I think that won't be a problem. DJ Metcalf, by the way, is like the second coming of Randy Moss, or even the second coming of T.O. actually. I think he's the second coming of T.O. by the way he's built. My God, can that dude fly? Oh, he's incredible. So anyway, I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the Seattle Seahawks over the Buffalo Bills this week. Next game is the one that I, I spoke about a little bit earlier, which is the Dolphins and the Cardinals. Dolphins are 4-3. and three. They've won three in a row. Cardinals have won two straight. They're second in the, in the best division in football in the NFC West at 5-2. and two. I like the Cardinals. I like the Cardinals. I'm, I'm sticking on with Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Edmonds in the backfield. Look, the Cardinals to me are for real. I think they're they're a playoff team. I think they can make some noise in the playoffs. Like that team is just electric on offense. Defense is a little shaky, but on offense, they are unbelievably electric. But I do think the Dolphins can keep this game close. I don't again, we don't know we're gonna we don't know if Tua can follow up what he did against the Rams again against the Cardinals. Now the Cardinals don't have the same defense as the Rams. So he definitely has an opportunity to show up and play a big game. Now, if the Dolphins can upset the Cardinals, the Dolphins, I think, are going to the playoffs. I mean, that would that would be two... They would then be 3-0 against the NFC West. That's insane. If they're 3-0 against the NFC West, there's no way in hell the Dolphins are not going to the playoffs. But with that being said, I think Arizona is the better team overall. I'm going to take the Cardinals over the Miami Dolphins. Bears at Titans. Titans have lost two straight. Titans had an in, inexcusable loss last weekend against Cincinnati. Inexcusable. 
Joe Burrow played great. Ryan Tannehill, not so much. Ryan Tannehill has now fallen fallen back in my MVP rankings uh, after last week. That last week was just not a good week. The other thing about the Titans, too, that no one's really talking about, the Titans got Steven Goskowski, who was the former Patriot kicker. He sucks. Goskowski is awful this year. He's missed, I think, five or six field goals. He's caught. He's almost cost the. Well, he cost the Titans a game against against Cincinnati last week, but he's almost cost them in previous games. So the Titans might need to go look for a kicker because come playoff time, field goals are important. I know a lot of people are like, eh, we hate kickers. We don't like kickers. Field goals, look at Tom Brady's rings. Field goals matter. So the Titans, the Titans kind of have something. They, they got to figure something out here soon. Two straight losses. Not a good look. The Bears have also lost two straight. The eye test, though, between these two teams is abundantly clear. The Titans are the better team. They're also the better coach team. There's there's some issues in, in Chicago. There are some issues. And I know there are people who like to try to gloss over the issues and say, well, it doesn't matter. They're still going to make the playoffs anyway. No, they're not. Not if they don't get their shit straightened out. Nick Foles is not the answer at quarterback in Chicago. Matt Nagy is not a good head coach. He's proven time and time again that his offensive play calling is just baffling at times. So I'm going to take the Titans. I think the Titans win. I think the Titans win actually pretty easily. So, look, I'm taking the Titans over the Bears. And honestly, I don't even think it's going to be that close. Game of the week, Saints at Bucks. Saints won the first game handily. Like, they, they took that game with ease. The Bucks have rebounded since then, though. Tom Brady is on the short list for MVP. I think he's third behind Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Saints have been up and down all year. Like, the Saints are not the Saints of old. They don't have a good defense. Coming into this season, a lot of people thought that the Saints were going to have a decent defense. They don't have a good defense at all. Look, the Bucs are the better team. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are clearly the better team in the NFC South. They're the best team in the NFC South, actually. I'm taking the Bucs. I'm taking the Bucs. I'm riding the Bucs. Look, I am pretty much the, the Bucs bandwagon driver at this point. I picked the Bucs to make it to the NFC Championship game. I said Tom Brady. I believe I said Tom Brady was going to be the MVP preseason. I don't remember if it was that or Russell Wilson. I think I said Tom Brady, though. Look, I'm riding the Bucs train. Until they prove me wrong, until they start losing a lot of games. Look, they had one really bad loss. The first loss to the Saints was fine. I was fine with it. They, it, they didn't have a preseason. That was Brady's first time with his new weapons. They were trying to get a little chemistry going. I got that. The loss to Chicago was inexcusable. That was a bad loss. But since that loss, the Bucks have been incredible. They've been incredible. I know they struggled on Monday night against the Giants, but honestly, they were playing down in their competition. We see that all the time, right? You see a team like the Bucks that are favored to, to beat the Giants by like two touchdowns. And you play down to your opponent. You overlook them. It was a trap game. They were overlooking them, looking ahead to the Saints. And you could tell by the way they played. They were not even thinking about the Giants. And they almost lost. But here's the deal. They didn't lose. They were able to win the game. They avoided the trap game. And I think they're going to do just fine this weekend against the New Orleans Saints. So to recap very quickly, I have the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Titans, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, 
right, so in my Everything is Stupid segment this week, I want to touch on the Green Bay Packers and the fact that as an organization, I think that they've been unbelievably stupid over the past few seasons by not drafting or even going out in free agency to trade for a star wideout for Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers has little to no help. Devontae Adams is constantly injured, and Devontae Adams really is his receiving core. What Rodgers has had to do for the Green Bay Packers over the past few seasons, everyone kind of overlooks it because it's Aaron Rodgers, and you expect Aaron Rodgers to put up Aaron Rodgers' numbers. You know, just like you look at what the Patriots' offense is now without Tom Brady and what Brady was able to do with with the limited receiving core and running backs and speed and everything that he had in New England is incredible. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but still, when you when your eyes are open to it, it's really hard to ignore the fact that Brady had nothing in New England, and yet he was making it to Super Bowls, and or just making it to the playoffs alone is an accomplishment. Aaron Rodgers has been doing the same thing. And I know last season, his numbers were so-so. But when you really look at the roster, the fact that it's, it's, it's insane that he actually took that team to the NFC Championship game. He rightfully got blown out by the 49ers. The 49ers were clearly the best team in the NFC. But the fact that Green Bay even got there was an accomplishment in and of itself and was an accomplishment for Rodgers. Now, look, you can, you can dislike Rodgers. I am not the biggest, I am not as big of a Rodgers fan as I used to be. I think he's a little too surly for my liking. I'm not the biggest fan of, of how he conducts himself all the time on the field. He's kind, of, he's kind of built the same way Tom Brady is, where he has no problem calling out his teammates, but doesn't necessarily always take accountability when he fucks up. So that, I don't like that. I don't, I don't roll that way. So that, that does rub, rub me the wrong way. But I do think that what Aaron Rodgers has had to overcome as a quarterback, it's criminal. It's criminal that the Green Bay Packers have allowed Aaron Rodgers to only get to one Super Bowl. He's only been to one Super Bowl. Aaron freaking Rodgers has only been to one Super Bowl. And it's not on him. As much, like you, can, you can dig into his playoff numbers, and his playoff numbers aren't as great as his regular season numbers. But this isn't a Peyton Manning situation where in a lot of those games, Peyton, Peyton played like, like crap in a lot of his playoff games. You can, you can dig into the numbers. And the thing about it too was Peyton had weapons. Whether it was in India or it was in Denver, he always had at least one really great wide receiver and at least either a great tight end or a really solid running back. Aaron Rodgers does not have that. He hasn't had that since the year he took his team to the Super Bowl. And even then, he had Jennings and he had Donald Driver. Both of those guys were old or older. They weren't, they weren't young. They weren't necessarily even like superstar wide receivers. They were competent. They were certainly like, you know, top half of the league wide, re- wide receivers. You would probably consider them both to be number twos. But I don't know if Aaron Rodgers has really ever had a number one wide receiver like a true number one wide receiver. And the fact that this season, excuse me, this past year in the draft, the Packers had an opportunity to draft. It was wide receiver heavy in this past year's draft. And instead of taking a wide receiver, they took a quarterback in the first round. 
I mean, to me, that was a writing on the wall. That at, The Green Bay Packers told Aaron Rodgers, we're moving on from you. Like, we don't give a shit about you. You have, when you're done, we're done with you. When you're done with your contract, we're done with you. That, to me, was what that said. Now, maybe Rodgers stays in, in Green Bay. He, maybe he, he wants to be a lifelong Green Bay Packer. That could be important to him, to only play for one team. That, that is important to some players. But honestly, I think he's ready to get out and go to a team that's actually going to build an offense around him or at least give him one or two weapons. And real quick, before I close this out, how's that Mike McCarthy narrative going, by the way? Because I remember hearing from all the great NFL pundits out there about how Aaron Rodgers was the problem in Green Bay. How Aaron Rodgers was was just, he was always pushing back against Mike McCarthy. He had no respect for Mike McCarthy. It was, you know, all the stuff that you saw from Aaron Rodgers, it was all Mike McCarthy's offensive genius and offensive play calling. Again, how's, how, how's that divorce looking right now? I'm just wondering. You guys, all you people out there who were, who were shitting on Aaron Rodgers and saying that Rodgers was the problem in Green Bay, not Mike McCarthy. How's, uh, how's Mike McCarthy doing in Dallas? I understand Dallas is, uh, they've got injury problems, but still. How, how's, uh, how's everyone, you know, uniting down in Dallas? Do you guys still want to blame Aaron Rodgers? For what went on in Green Bay? Or are we actually going to be a little intellectually honest here and realize that it was probably a little more 50-50? Like Mike McCarthy wasn't exactly the greatest coach that everyone was trying to give him credit for. And yeah, can Aaron Rodgers be a dick? Yeah, he can be a dick. But he's also arguably, what, the second best quarterback in football? At worst, he's third. So just take it for a grain of salt. But look, the Green Bay Packers, again, what the Green Bay Packers have done, to bring this back full circle here real quick, what the Green Bay Packers have done to Aaron Rodgers and the lack of weapons that they've given him over the course of his career really is criminal. And everyone in that front office is just blatantly ignorant and stupid. All right, so for my last word segment, I want to touch on uh, the election here real quick. And... No, I'm not giving you my predictions. I'm not telling you who I voted for. None of that. It's I'm recording this on Wednesday. There are, what, five states still up for grabs right now. We have Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, Nevada. So what is that, seven states? Presumably Trump's going to take Georgia and North Carolina, even though those haven't been called yet. Here's the deal. All right, I don't care who you voted for. I truly don't. And I'm not going to tell you who I voted for because really it's none of your business. What I would say is this, though. At the end of the day, this election, this election is, is falling into place the way that I hoped it wouldn't. Like this to me was the worst case scenario where it's presumably going to go to the courts. And no one on either side of the aisle is going to believe that their candidate lost they're going to think that their candidate got the election stolen from them and a lot of that is because of the media a lot of that is because of the rhetoric from both candidates not just one but from both candidates and it sucks it really sucks that we're in this place right now in 2020 we should not be here we should not be this divisive towards each other we should not 
be sitting back and just so angry and, and vitriolic towards one another. It's not, it's not helping anybody. It's not making anybody feel good. So here's the deal. When it's all said and done, when the dust settles, my money right now, I will say this, my money right now is on Biden winning. I think Biden's got it. Maybe he won't. Maybe Trump will prevail. I don't know. But it looks like we're going to have a Democratic House, a Republican Senate, and presumably, and for my money right now, a Democrat president. Just be, let's just be kind to each other. Can we try that? I mean, I know it's been a long time, at least four years. But do you think maybe we can start being respectful to each other again? Respectful of each other's viewpoints? The fact that, you know, you may vote a different way than somebody else that doesn't make them or you a bad person. It just means that you have different priorities in your life that you find or you think is important. If you're somebody who is throwing people out of your life because they voted for a particular candidate that you don't like, honestly, I I think that that's an illness. That's a sickness that you're going to castigate individuals because they they didn't vote who you believe to be the more morally superior human being and again this is coming from both sides this isn't just an argument about being pro-trump and i know that a lot of people who listen to this assume oh well what you're saying is that it's okay to vote for trump no because there are people on the trump side of the train who think that you're an evil horrible human being if you vote for joe biden And let's just take Trump and Biden out of this for a second, okay? I know it's hard, but let's take those two candidates out of it. What's going to happen in four years? Because Biden's already said if he won, he's only running for four. He's only doing a one-term presidency, which means the Democrats and the Republicans, again, are going to be battling it out in four years. Are we we still going to be at this point where we're just going to be so divided and so angry and, and just nasty to each other? Is that really what... Because if that's the case, if we're in the same position that we are in four years, if we're that split as a culture and as a society, I don't know if we're ever going to recover. Like, there are people questioning if we're even going to recover now, but I think that there's still hope because while these past four years have been gross, I still think there's hope that we can find ways to mend fences and to find new avenues to to agree. And it's not going to be the politicians that do it. Newsflash, they don't want us to agree. Neither side wants us to agree. They want the they want the country to be polarized. As does the mainstream media. The media doesn't want us to come together. They want us to be polarized. That's how they get their views. That's how they make their money. You know, we need to come together as as a society, as as a culture. Stop going on Facebook. Stop going on Twitter. Stop, just stop being nasty to each other. I don't know how else to say it, but we need to find a way to come together. I'm not saying you have to rally around a candidate because I honestly don't think politics is the way to bring people together. If anything, as we've seen, all that does is just tear people apart. I think as human beings, we have to be unified. We all need to, I I believe, Agree on some basic principles. And those basic principles are, are very, very basic. And I'm not just 
repeating a word here. I, I find these principles to be pretty damn basic. Be kind to each other. Love one another. And just stay out of other people's way. And what I mean by stay out of other people's way is stay out of their life. What people, how people want to live their lives, as long as they're not infringing on your rights, let them do it. It's none of your business what goes on behind closed doors. As long as nobody is physically or mentally abusing another individual, what they choose to do behind, behind the scenes, behind their, their, you know, their walls and their doors, that's up to them. That's their life. Live and let live. You know, that seems to be, uh, that, that's a slogan that, that apparently has lost all meaning nowadays. But I truly believe in it. Live and let live. Just live your life to the fullest. Allow me to live my life to, to the fullest. And we'll be okay. I, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know how else to put it other than that. So, look, the election is going to bring up a lot of, a lot of dark times for certain people. It's going to be some dark days for, for a certain party or a, a certain faction of people. And a good time for others, obviously. Don't rub it in other people's faces. Don't try and virtue signal or be or act as if you're morally superior because your side won. Because you're not morally superior. And if you're bragging about it or, or castigating other people, you're not morally superior. You're just ignorant and obtuse. And you clearly have no self-awareness. Like if you can't figure that part out at this point in time, like if you can't figure out that by trying to make somebody seem lesser than you, isn't the smart move right now, then there's no hope for you. Then enjoy sitting in your echo chamber or your bubble of whatever and, you know, live in that little universe because nobody else is going to want to be around you anyway. So if you want to isolate yourself from the rest of the world, knock yourself out. But I really do think that there's, there's a lot of us out there who really do want to try and find a way to unify and to bring us all back together. So let's, let's hope for that, all right? And for those of you out there who are religious, let's pray for that. Seriously, I'm serious. Let's try and find a way to, to create some, some, some roads back to civility because I believe that's the most important thing that we could do, whether it's a Trump administration or a Biden administration. We need to find a way to come together, work together, and hopefully we can, uh, we can get back to some, some happier times. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the LaValley Sports Talk Podcast brought to you by the Sunline Network. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I greatly appreciate it. Please be sure to check me out on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're there, we have plenty of other podcasts for you, including Rich O's Rant, Drinks with Dan, LaValley Sports Talk Pod, and Spaceball. Hope you all stay well, be safe, enjoy some college football this weekend. Obviously, enjoy, uh, enjoy NFL Week 9. And next week, I'll be giving you my preview for the Masters. Cannot wait. Masters is in two weeks. Oh, my God. It's going to be amazing. Actually, technically, it's a week, week and a half from now. So, oh, it's going to be incredible. So, Masters preview next week. Talk to you all then. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. (laughs) 